0: Hi, show about Science Listeners Nate here, and I want to share with you a new podcast that I think you're going to love. It's called AI for Kids, and it's hosted by Amber Ivy. Here's Amber to tell you more.
1: Welcome to the AI
2: for Kids podcast, where playtime, learning, and creating collide bit by bit. Ever wonder how your phone recognizes your face? How does a game learn to get harder as you get better? This is AI. This podcast is designed for kids like you and your human parents making the complex world of ai easy to understand and most importantly fun so are you ready to unlock the mysteries of artificial intelligence subscribe and join us on ai for kids that's
0: ai for kids a new podcast from amber ivy and ai digi tales learn more about the show at ai for New episodes come out every other Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts, and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference.
2: Welcome, everyone. I'm super excited for another episode of ShowBot Science. This is your host, Nate. And today, we are 3D printing some organs. Hold on to your hearts and make sure your mind doesn't explode. But if it does, we can just 3D print new ones. It's going to be an awesome 3D printing organs episode, so stay tuned. Dr. Anthony Attala is the director of the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine. His work focuses on growing human cells, tissues, and organs. And he is here to explain how you can do this with 3D printers. Welcome to the show, Dr. Atala.
1: It is so great to be with you today.
2: It's great to be with you too. So, let's talk about regenerative medicine. How did you get interested in the topic?
1: Well, you know, I'm actually a surgeon by training. That's still what I do. I still see patients, I still do surgery. And there's really you know, nothing more devastating for a surgeon than to be in the operating room trying to reconstruct a patient and to know that you don't have good options to do so. And you're settling for second best. You're putting in devices or plastics that really don't belong there and you know they're not going to do well long term. So the question really was how can we make this better by using the patient's own tissues. And that's how we got started in this area that we call regenerative medicine. That's how I personally started this work.
2: So, regenerative medicine is basically creating new tissues, new organs, that sort of thing. So, like, how did you get entrusted in using a 3D printer to make new organs for people?
1: That's a great question. So, you know, we actually had already implanted some tissues into patients, tissues that we had engineered. And we knew that we could do that one at a time for patients. We were making them handmade, if you will. And for us, of course, we realized that if we really wanted these technologies to reach many more people, that we wanted to automate these technologies, scale them up, if you will. And so that's when we started thinking about how to apply the strategies that we were using for tissue engineering and creating tissues and organs by using bioprinting or just printing techniques to help us automate it.
2: I think that my mind just exploded. (laughs) Can I, by any chance, get a new one 3D printed without my personality being altered? (laughs)
1: That's a good question as well. Well, you know, certainly, of course, you never say never in science, right? So it's interesting because, in fact, we are now uh, printing structures with brain cells and brain tissue. But, you know, they are miniature, miniature brains that we're printing at this point and creating. But, you know, uh, of course, it's biologic, right? So the cells are there, and we don't really truly understand yet a lot about the brain. That is why the uh, National Institutes of Health and many government agencies, you know, have uh, put forward the brain as a next frontier where they're mapping the brain. So that's happening right now. Right now, there's a lot of work going on worldwide on mapping the brain and how it really works. So we can certainly produce brain tissue right now. Now, whether we can actually create brain tissue that will retain your personality, We still do not know that.
2: And so how do you 3D print human organs?
1: So we basically take a very small piece of tissue from the patient, less than half the size of a postage stamp. And we're taking the tissue from the same area where we want to actually replace or repair. So we're going to for example, create muscle tissue, skeletal muscle. Then we want to take a small biopsy or a small piece of tissue from skeletal muscle. It doesn't have to be from the same location, but certainly the same tissue. And then we then take that small piece of tissue, we expand the cells outside the body in large quantities. And once we have enough cells, we then start to place those cells in the printers and mix them up with special bio-inks They're very much like, you know, gelatin, if you will, but they're still in the liquid state. And we then place those cells with this gelatin-like materials in these printing cartridges, and we just start printing, just like you would a regular piece of paper, but instead of using ink, we're using cells and this gelatin material. And we then create those structures, and as these cells and gelatin-like material goes through the nozzle, it goes through the nozzle more as a liquid, but by the time it hits the platform, it looks more like gelatin. And that's in a nutshell how the process works.
2: What? (laughs) (laughs) I think that this time it was my heart. So what about hearts? Can you create complex organs like the heart?
1: Yes, you know, we are also printing structures like the heart, but again, these are miniature structures. So for solid organs, it is more complex. So there's a level of complexity that we see when we're trying to recreate these tissues and organs with flat structures like skin being the least complex because they are flat and they don't have many different cell types or as much requirements for nutrition uh, with blood vessels. The second level of complexity are tubular organs, like blood vessels, for example. They're tubular, so they're a little bit more complex. They have to remain open. They have to allow air or fluid to go through, you know, uh, architecturally more complex. The third level are hollow, non-tubular organs, like the stomach or the bladder. These organs, the architecture is more complex. The cells are more complex. There's more interaction with other organs. And finally... The most complex organs are the solid organs like the heart or the kidney. And these organs are the most complex because you have so many more cells per centimeter than any other tissue type. And therefore, it requires much more nutrition to keep them alive. So the soup that's going to keep them alive needs to get to these cells. And to do so, you need a system of channels or highways that we call blood vessels and Because this channel or highway system is so complicated, solid organs, like the heart, are in fact more complex. So we are printing them, but still not yet ready for human use.
2: So what does it take to 3D print an organ?
1: So in addition to the method that we discussed, where you actually take the cells and the hydrogels, or gelatin bio-inks, if you will, to print these materials. Once we actually get the material printed on that platform, that's just the beginning. Then we have to take that structure, and we want to make sure that these structures remain alive and that we can mature them slightly. And we use these oven-like devices, very much like baking a layer cake. You basically mix the materials But instead of, you know, mixing flour and eggs and sugar, you're mixing these gelatin-like materials, these cells. Now, you put it all together, but now you're going to bake it, if you will. And the baking process occurs in these devices we call incubators that keep the cells alive, keep the materials alive, and allows them to mature. And then once they're mature enough to be implanted, we can then go right back and put it into the patient theoretically, suture it in place, and let it work.
2: So basically, you take a gel and you print an organ up, and then it takes a lot of more steps into the distant or near future to make them actually work and get them pumping.
1: That's exactly right. You know... Interestingly, the printers are just one step of the process. It certainly helps us to make these tissues and organs, but there is so much more that needs to be done. The printer is really just automating the process. Whatever we worked out by hand, and it took years to work out by hand, how to grow these cells, how to grow these materials, how to put them together, the printer really is just a tool that helps us to automate it so we can just control what we do with the printer, and not only does it give us scalability, but it also gives us reproducibility.
2: So do you have any advice for kids that need a transplant?
1: Well, you know, when organs fail, it's obviously not a good thing. But thankfully, we have so many options today that were not around just a few years ago. Just in the 1950s, people with end-stage or organ failure would basically have one option, and that was to wait till they died because there was nothing that could be done. But now there's so many things that could be done for patients with uh, end-stage failure. But, of course, we have a lot of patients on the organ transplant list today, and the list keeps growing because we're living longer. And as we live longer, organs tend to fail more. But for children who require an organ, you know, there are many options out there. And hold on to this hope that regenerative medicine will someday be able to replace some of these tissues and organs.
2: That is absolutely amazing and inspiring. So thank you so much for being on the show.
1: It's great to be with you. Thank you.
2: There you have it, folks. The show about science is complete. Dad, you can shut the recording off. For the newest episodes of the show about science, download the PIN app or go to pinna.fm. Slash promo. Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old
0: and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts, and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference.